Welcome to Inspiring Teachers. I'm your host, Kimberly Burkhart. I'm an educator and mindset and life coach with over 20 years experience in the field. If you want to reignite your passion for teaching, reignite your students' passion for learning, and create a classroom community where you and your students feel content and inspired, then this podcast is for you. Let's ditch those Sunday night blues for you and your students. Hey, teachers, welcome to episode five of our Teachers Inspiring Teachers podcast. Today, I might make some people feel called out. And you know what? I felt this way before too, and I think it needs to happen. The title of this podcast is Labeling Your Students, Curiosity and Compassion Versus Toxic Teacher Culture. This is a big one. I was going to jump into systems and strategies and math workshop and literacy block, but you know what? I've had dozens of teachers come to me over the past 20 years and say, oh my gosh, how do you get your kids to do that? I want my classroom to be like yours. Can you teach me? And I say, absolutely. And I teach them and I help them set it up and they do it and then they stop. And I just didn't understand, like, is this really too hard? Like, the the benefits for the teacher and the students are absolutely amazing. Why are teachers not sticking with this? And I've had some time to reflect, and I've really looked back on some of the teachers that it didn't work for, and these are some of the things that I was seeing. So I remember when I first started teaching, And I walked into my first elementary school and I was so excited and I was going to change the world. And then there was those teachers. You know who they are. Oh, that's that kid. Oh, that's so-and-so. I had their sister. I had their brother. Oh, they're not going to work for you. Oh, they don't care about school. That family doesn't value education. It is so hard to stay away from those people. I tried really hard. I I never went in the staff room. I hid in my room. Many people might have thought I was stuck up, but I was just trying to stay out of the pitfalls of being sucked into that toxic culture. So we're going to talk about that culture today and what it does to you and what it does to your students and how it's hurting everything. And it's setting you right back into that spiral. You are getting stuck in a belief cycle when you get sucked into that toxic culture. So we're really going to dig deep into this today. And if you feel called out on something, there's there's always time to turn it around and grow. I think all of us, even myself, can feel called out on any piece of this. And if you're listening and you're not a teacher, let me tell you, this happens everywhere with everything. Um, be careful who you spend your time with, who you listen to who you're following on social media. When you're having a tough time and things aren't working the way that you think they should, it's very easy to get sucked into this. So control who who you're listening to, watching, speaking to. Be very careful and very selective of the people you surround yourself with, both in person and on social media. All right, so let's dig into this. If you are operating from frustration, you are going to feel like people are wasting your time or a waste of your time. And I've been here. I even felt it last year. I was very overwhelmed and frustrated by some things that were happening that were out of my control. 
I started making stories about what was happening and letting that control my thoughts and actually like making it seem like that was like concrete data when it really wasn't. I started thinking, okay, these people are wasting my time. Like they don't want it. it. Sometimes it was the kids. Sometimes it was other adults. If you're operating from frustration, your actions aren't going to be positive. If you're interpreting kids' actions or their inactions and you're saying, well, they should do it and they, and if they cared, they'd do it, it kind of gets you off the hook. It makes it so it's like, well, it's not my fault. They don't care. You know, that's just how that family is. That's just how that kid is. I've tried everything. I just can't connect with this kid. You know, their teacher told me last year they were like this. If you want kids to be self-led and self-reliant, you have to teach that. You are going to get, we've talked this, talked about this in other podcasts, you are going to get those unicorn kids who come in and they just have those skills already because most likely they've been taught those at home. Kids don't normally come in that way. They have to be taught how to lead themselves, how to rely on themselves, how to be self-starters. And you have to teach them. Remember when we talked about leaders versus managers? That's a leader. So you need to get your students to buy in. They need to know why they need to know it, why they need to be there, why they need to do this. And sometimes you have to be really creative with that. So some of my kiddos that, you know, they're absolutely like, school is stupid. I'm not learning anything. There's no reason for me to be here. I'm never going to use any of this. You have to really dig in deep with those kids. Ask them questions about what they like to do outside of school and ask them what they want to be when they grow up. A lot of those kids that are that adamant that they will never need it know what they want to do. They have some activity that they love or a relative that has a really cool job and they want that job and they're like, this isn't going, I'm not going to use this. So find out what that is. What is it that they want to be? It may not require college. Guys, not every kid needs to go to college, and we need to stop pushing that. There are careers where kids can get technical training, and they can make more than you're making, and they will be successful, and they'll be able to take care of their families and be proud of the work that they do at the end of the day. You need to support that. So if there's a kid who has one of those jobs in mind, Okay, let's dig into that. Let's do a career project. Let's look into like what really do you need to be able to have that career? What skills do you need to know? Interview somebody that has that career and ask them, you know, what did they wish they paid more attention to school and what are they using from school? Get them excited about that goal. Now, that's going to be a really big goal really far away. And it's going to be hard to keep track of and it's going to be hard to well, I'm going to be this when I grow up, so I'm going to do work really hard on this math lesson that I'm struggling with. It's hard to connect those two. So you have to help them break down their goals smaller. Okay, well, I've got to make it through sixth grade. Okay, well, in order to make it through sixth grade, what do I need to do? Well, my reading level's below where it needs to be. So what is your reading level now? What goal do we want to get it to? And that's going to make 
your science classes so much easier, where you're learning about that job you want to do in the future. So break it down for the kids and really meet them at their levels and and set small goals that will help them reach the bigger goal at the end of their education career. And I think it's very important that while they're working through hard things, not to get into their emotional state with them. So school is going to get easier for them. As they start meeting some of those smaller goals and they're working hard to close gaps, they're going to notice that things are going to start getting a little bit easier and they're going to start enjoying learning more because it's not a struggle or they're not noticing the gap between them and their peers. But there's going to be some really rough days between now and then. Don't get into their emotional state with them. You need to remain connected but disconnected in a way to remind them of their goals. Help them come up with strategies. Help them see their small wins and cheer them on when they're feeling defeated. You know, when we're uncomfortable, we resort to what we know. I know when I'm uncomfortable, I just fall into old patterns. It's easier to avoid the hard things and go back to what you know. Even if you don't like what you know, it's easier. So even though that student doesn't like being behind and doesn't like struggling at school and doesn't like getting in trouble at school or whatever's happening, it's easier and it's what they know. They're not uncomfortable when they're avoiding. So listen to them. When you when they're getting into those emotional states where they're feeling defeated and they want to give up and they want to go back to what's comfortable, ask them more questions and then close your mouth and listen to them. We talked about this in another episode as well. Really listen. You never know what's going on. And a lot of these kids, they put on a really tough exterior and they will hide what's really happening. Be someone that they trust and that they know will listen to them and give them ownership of their plan. Let them help figure out what the next steps will be. Or, you know, was that goal too big? Let's set a smaller goal. Is there a strategy we can use? Is this strategy not working? Is there another one that we can find? And you may be asking, when on earth do you have time to talk to your kids this much? This is why systems are so important. I talked in the first episode about teaching your kids how to do read to self and read to someone. When there's a crisis going on in the room, and to them it's a crisis, if a kid's having a bad day, their whole world is upside down. It is more beneficial to pause your learning and give them a 15, 20 minute, doesn't even have to be that long, time to go read. They know the expectations. They know they're not supposed to bother you. And it gives you time to talk with students and work through things like this. You have to have something you can have the students do where you can listen to someone who's having a tough time. So don't just give these kids to-do lists. Okay, well, you know, the reason you're struggling is because you're not doing your homework and you're not doing this and you're not doing that. So we're going to list all these things you need to catch up for me. I don't know about you, but when somebody tells me what to do, I feel a little bit rebellious. Let them help you make the plan, be flexible, compromise, and find a way for them to get back on track. So when you label a child, like let's say this kind of the student we've kind of been talking about, when you label them, you're like, well, they just don't care. Well, they're just going to be just like their father. 
that I've heard all about that went through this school system, or they're going to be just like their brother. You stop looking for solutions. You give up on them. You become a manager trying to tell them what they what to do, and you stop leading them. You're not looking for the root causes. You're not trying to connect with them. And they don't respect you. And they don't want to be micromanaged by you. And they are going to fight you tooth and nail. And your life is going to be miserable. In action, them not doing what you want them to do is a symptom. Just like a runny nose, just like a cough, just like a stomach ache. You need to find the root cause. And it's usually some type of thought or belief that they're carrying about themselves or about you or about the classroom or about the work. So when you see symptoms, behavior symptoms, find the root cause. What is driving their behavior? What is driving them to not act and not follow directions? Or what is driving their extreme reaction? If you're labeling your kids and writing them off, you're losing leadership. You're just forgetting them and you're moving on. You need to stay connected with them through all the hard things. Remind them about their why. Remind them of their goals. And say, you know, I noticed that you're not on track with your goals anymore. And it almost seems like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it kind of seems like you've given up and you're not trying anymore. My job is to help you meet your goals. How can I come alongside you and help you meet your goals? What's frustrating you? What's, you know, what's what's going on? How are you feeling that's making you just give up on this thing that you told me you were so excited about? Don't just say, see, told you. She's just resistant. She's just stubborn. He has to have his own way. He doesn't care. She's dramatic. She's needy. Oh, this child exhausts me. If you believe that, you go into your conversations and your nonverbal um, interactions with students with that attitude and they can sense it. They know. Children are such intuitive creatures. They can pick up on anything, even if you don't say a word. If they sense that you've already put a label on them and given up on them, they're going to be resistant to you. You created that. And you're going to have to work really hard to get that back. Management is easy. Telling your kids to walk in a line, telling them what to do, making lists, talking at them. It's easy in a way, but really it's harder in the long run, I think. But leadership is hard in the beginning. It takes a lot of work, a lot of heart, a lot of conversations. But then it's wonderful. Yeah, there's still going to be hiccups, but not, not the way it would have been if you had been a micromanager. So neutralizing your emotions with your students. If that student is angry or disappointed or frustrated, that doesn't mean that they are angry with you. It doesn't mean that you're a bad teacher. It doesn't mean that you've disappointed them or you're frustrating them. That is their belief, that's their feeling that they're carrying with them, don't join in on that. Don't take it personally. If you grab that energy, then you're entering that relationship with that energy and things are just going to go terribly wrong. If you are truly caring and showing compassion, 
the students are going to pick up on that and they're going to meet you in the middle and start making strategies to meet goals. This is probably the thing that I was most guilty of as a teacher. When a student misbehaved, I took it personally. I took it home with me. I made a story about it. I even would hide from things. Meaning I wasn't giving my all as a teacher anymore because I was hurt. I was like, what's the point? Why am I doing this? I'm working so hard and these kids aren't respecting me. Don't connect the kid's behavior with your feelings because you're going to get stuck in that spiral and you're not going to come out. If you've been personally offended, you need to sit with your feelings. Do you remember the, um, the thought cycle that we worked through in one of the episodes? So if you're feeling that way and you're feeling personally offended by your students, you need to sit down and write some things out. So I'm going to go over this cycle again. So the first thing is the facts, which are kind of hard to write down when you're full of emotions and stories. And then what you're making it mean, how it makes you feel, and then what you're feeling that way, how you react, and then the effects of those actions from your reaction. So fact is, a student threw his desk. What are you making that mean? Are you making that mean that student is disrespectful? How dare they do that in my classroom? That student's just a behavior problem. It's going to make you feel angry, disrespected, frustrated, and then you're going to come to your actions out of those feelings. And that student's going to pick up on those and round and round and round we go. But what if you took the fact of the student throwing his desk, as long as he doesn't hurt anybody or she doesn't hurt anybody, what are you making that mean? Take yourself out of the equation. You might be able to figure it out on your own, or you might need to wait for that student to calm down and ask some questions. Not probing, why would you do that questions, but hey, you know, I'm I'm, I'm glad you're feeling a little bit better now, but I, you know, obviously you were having some pretty deep feelings there and you seem very frustrated. What's going on? How come you're feeling this way? What was the thing that happened that that made you flip your desk? They might tell you. It might take a little longer. Or you might know. This student is four years behind in reading level. And we had a hard assignment. And he was frustrated. Maybe somebody said something to them that you didn't hear about them not being able to read it or, you know, not being able to keep up. Or a social thing. Goodness sake, sometimes those kids can say the worst things to each other. They can be the sweetest and they can be the meanest. There could be so many different things that happened. Change your story about what happened. Then you're going to be like, oh, this poor kid. He can't read what I'm giving him. And the kids, the other kids in the class know it and he knows it. And then you feel compassion. You've had the curiosity, you've looked into what's going on, and then you have compassion for that student. Well, how do you react when you're feeling curious and compassionate? Way better than when you're angry and frustrated and feeling disrespected. Do you see how that like just turns things around and turns it into a different 
stream of events. So if you are feeling personally attacked, if you're taking your students' behavior or their inaction, them not getting engaged, and you're making it mean something about you, and I was guilty of this, oh my gosh, I brought this home and I lost sleep over this and I cried over this. I don't think I made it through a single school year where this didn't happen. But sit down and work through those feelings. Change the trajectory. And when you practice that enough and you sit with your feelings and your stories you're telling yourself about things enough, eventually, more naturally, when it happens, you'll be like, oh, wait a second. Okay, wait a minute. This is not about me. I'm going to get curious. And I'm going to go talk to the student when they calm down, depending on the situation. Sometimes you can talk to them right away. And I'm going to ask more questions and listen. And I'm going to see what's really going on here. Most of the time, it's not about you. If you are coming to them in a place of anger and frustration, and you've labeled them, and they feel like you're out to get them, then, then, then you are part of the problem. And I really hope that's not you. And if it is, let's turn that around. So friends, the reason that you are so tired and you are drained when you get home and have no energy left for the other people in your life is because of all the emotions that you're attaching to what's happening in the day. You're believing stories instead of controlling your emotions and what you're making all these things mean and your actions and your inactions. When you can own all this and get control over this, this makes you an amazing leader and you will feel so much more at peace and you will not be so exhausted at the end of the day. I had one year where by 10 o'clock, I was shot. Like I was like, I can't, how can I keep doing this? And I realized, I realized now it was much of the emotions I was attaching to the day. Things would start, you know, as soon as the kids walked in the door, oh, here we go. It's starting again. I was letting my emotions and my, what I was making things mean, take control of things. And I'm going to tell you again, if you are interacting with people who are constantly complaining and constantly labeling kids and talking smack about things. And if you're following people on social media where it's just like, oh, us teachers aren't appreciated. Teaching is terrible. I hate my job. I want to get out of my job. If you keep living in that and that's all you hear, that's how you're going to go to school and your day is going to be horrible. You can't be surrounded by all that negativity and not have it have an effect on you. So if you are around teachers or other colleagues, who are dragging you down and making things negative, you need to either remove yourself from the situation, put some space between you and those people, or call them out nicely and say, you know, like, I'm really trying to have a positive attitude and really control my emotions and, and how I'm approaching the students. And I'm really trying not to be negative. So, um, you know, I'm not really going to take part in these conversations anymore. And that's hard. That's really hard. I had a colleague that, well, I've had several colleagues, but I had one who would come in every morning and stand in front of the door. I couldn't even leave. And it was just negative, negative, negative for a good, you know, I get to school early to try to get things done. And 
those people can just soak up your time and soak up your energy and plant so many bad seeds. And it was really, I was really struggling with being present for my students and not taking what she said to heart. I had to fight and use so much energy before the day even started to not get sucked into that. And I had to really put a break in that relationship. And I tried. I tried the nice ways. I tried avoidance. I tried to do it politely. And I had to just really break it off and and do my own thing. And it was sad because it was a a grade level coworker. Um, But I had to do what was best for me and what was best for my students. And I had had to cut off that relationship. Um, I kind of was hoping that that person would see the positive effects of being positive and not being stuck in negative talk and giving kids a chance. Um, unfortunately, no changes were seen while I was there, um, but I can only hope that someday that will click for that person. So it's easy to point the finger. It's painful to take ownership of things. You need just to ask yourself questions. What have I done to enable this behavior? Why do these kids think this is okay? Why does this colleague think it's okay? How can I help this person? Where have I allowed this to happen? What am I refusing to do because I feel uncomfortable? And stop blaming other things. My, um, my business coach tells me, if you're comfortable, you're not leading. And it's so true. When I first started teaching, I was like, okay, well, once I'm in a grade level long enough and in a school, I'm just going to have everything made and and I'm going to have it all down and everything's just going to be sunshine and roses. (laughs) No, everything is constant growth. There's a new situation all the time, a new personality, a new relationship to build. And if you're comfortable and it's easy, you're not leading and your students probably aren't growing. You need to come to everything in love. It's hard to make that line of loving your students, but not letting it control your life. But there is a line there. Be very careful where you place that line. I had the line way too far in one direction where I would worry about the students and talk to parents and talk to the students at all hours. My family really lost out on that. When some bad things started happening and I drew a new line. I drew it way in the wrong direction. I was like, nope, like the, this isn't my problem. I'm just here to teach. You know, I'm not going above and beyond anymore. That's not a good place to put your line either. Find a line where you can be loving. You can disconnect how you assign those feelings to yourself. You do your very best and know that you're doing your best. Come from a place of compassion and leadership, and curiosity, and love, but don't attach what the kids are doing to you as a person. And really, we need to have a whole nother episode on this. I attached my accomplishments as a teacher to my worth as a person. And that is a horrible thing to do. And I let it happen for over 20 years. I'm just recovering from that. If you place your worth on how you are achieving as a teacher and you're having a tough year, you have a difficult group of students or, oh my gosh, look at COVID. That is a horrible yo-yo for you to be on, that you're assigning your worth 
to your students' accomplishments and how your classroom is running. So that's a whole nother episode, but be careful. Don't fall into that pitfall either. So what I'm telling you is before you can do amazing things in your classroom, first, you need to show up as a leader. You need to show the students how you want things done and how, not necessarily how you want things done, but how things are going to be done that will benefit the whole class. You need to walk alongside them. Don't assume that they should know something. They should be able to do this. I shouldn't have to teach them this. If they don't know it, if they're not doing it, teach it to them. Don't use the word should. Now, helping kids meet their goals and helping them stay accountable to them doesn't mean you're breathing over their shoulder and you're constantly checking in with them and bugging them. I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want that. (laughs) You wouldn't either. There's a, there's a, you have to find that line again of where good leadership ends and micromanaging begins. And, you know, I was very firm, but I was very loving it was very hard for me to describe my teaching style. Those kids respected me. Those kids would work their tails off for me. But I was still very loving. And every single one of them still runs and gives me a hug, even in high school. So there's a way to be firm and loving at the same time. So my advice to you before you start anything new, you need to work on your relationships with your students. Focus on these things. Focus on listening. Focus on being curious and compassionate with your students. And you know that child that rubs you the wrong way, that you just really don't get or you can't connect with, once you really start listening and you start showing them some compassion, you might realize you really, really like that student. You'll form a whole new relationship. They actually might be your closest bond by the time the year is over and sit with things. I'm going to go over this framework one more time because it's helped me so much. Get a piece of paper out. What things are you taking personally that your students are doing? What are the facts? Facts are not your opinions or your stories about it. Facts are the hardcore data. What happened? A harsh email, a desk thrown, student is not completing work, things that you can observe, solid data that you could observe and prove to someone this is happening. And then write down, what are you making it mean? Honestly, be honest with yourself. What are you telling yourself about that? Are you labeling the student? Are you blaming it on you? And then once you make it mean that, how is that making you feel? And when you feel that way, honestly, what are you doing? How are you reacting? Are you spending less quality time with your students? Um, It's called buffering when you do busy things to avoid the difficult things. At home, it could be like doing laundry, doing the dishes or scrolling on your phone. At school, it could be, oh, well, I really have these papers to grade. So I'm going to give these kids this activity to do by themselves. I have to get this done. Or do you have some time with the students, but you don't want to have conversations with them, so you let them do their own thing and you grade things or clean something or plan something or organize something? So how are you reacting? Are you reacting in anger? Are you reacting in frustration? Are you acting in bitterness? And that doesn't always mean your words. 
remember what we talked about about body language and your facial expressions and your presence. You sitting at your desk and not turning your body towards them or looking them in the eye says a lot. You having wonderful conversations with other students and not them says a lot. You walking around the room and telling someone else they're doing a great job or putting your hand on their shoulder and not that other kid says a lot. And then what are the effects? You think that kid's going to like just, oh, well, she's talking to that kid, so I better act like that kid. No, (laughs) they're going to grow even more distant with you. And this is going to go round and round and round. Once you write that out and you're really honest with yourself, and this is hard. Good for you if you're doing this. This is hard. And I would even kind of like fluff mine at first and make them just be honest with yourself. Nobody ever has to see this. Be honest with yourself. Now flip your, flip your, what you're making it mean around. It's the same facts. You can't change the facts, but make it mean something else. Think what else could be happening? It's not always about you. What is going on with this student? What else could you make it mean? And then how do you feel? A lot of times the next feeling is compassion or sadness for that student. Or this can happen with adults too. And when you're reacting out of compassion and caring and love, your reactions are going to be so much better. And then the effects of your actions are going to be so much better. So I urge you, sit with these things. I have some amazing things coming. Guided inquiry learning. I'm dropping a free course showing you how to do this. Guys, I got all fours on my teacher evaluations every single time I did a guided inquiry learning lesson, and the kids loved it. They kind of fought it at first because the group work and the roles and oh, you know, but they got so into their learning. They loved it. I'm going to teach you how to do it from the roles, setting it up, how to change an activity, how to run this, the benefits of it. Um, all the things that I learned the hard way, I'm going to teach it all to you for free. I'm going to give you information on how to run math workshops where you can do mini lessons and then have your kids out at independent centers or centers with um, a paraprofessional where the kids are like working the entire block and you can differentiate and work with small groups and individual students. It's beautiful. And I have the same thing for reading your ELA block as well. And I've done this with kindergarten all the way up through sixth grade, and it could work into middle school and even high school too. Actually, guided inquiry learning is uh, started out, I don't know if you've heard of Pogles, but um, that's uh, a popular and purchasable um, way to do it in the high school. Um, but there's no there's no activities for elementary. So I actually teach you how to make them yourself. And actually, I'll be um, sharing out ones that I've made if, if you can use them and they fit in with your curriculum. So there's some, some amazing things happening, some ama- amazing things coming that I want to show you how to do. But if your students are not on your team and if you are micromanaging and you are in your classroom is not a place where students feel comfortable, it's not going to work. They are going to find ways to push your buttons when they're supposed to be doing something different. You're not going to be able to work with students in a small group. It's not going to happen. You have to get your relationships and your culture and your environment under control first. And then it's beautiful. I promise you, you're going to love it. Your students are going to love it. The parents are going to love it. It is magical, but you have to work on those relationships first. 
and I was not perfect at it. Even last year, I had a student that I tried really hard with, but I got some stories in my head. I was having a tough year with some other things, and I let myself make up stories about it. I made it mean something about me. And then I had feelings about it. And I came to places, I came to the classroom with dealing with that student with those feelings and those stories. Um, So it, it happens to all of us. And I'm not saying it'll never happen again, but you need to be aware of it and you need to know how to work through that. All right, friends. So this was a long one. Thank you so much for staying with me. I hope that this was a blessing to you. And I hope you can take this back to your classrooms. Um, please make sure you're on my Facebook page. Um, it's Teachers Inspiring Teachers, and I'm on Instagram as well. It's Teachers Inspiring Teachers with underscores in between. Um, I'm posting a lot of content leading up to the release of the Guided Inquiry Learning Course, um, and that's where you're going to find any announcements when things are ready. I'm working really hard. It should be ready soon. Um, and you can also find, I have some pictures of how my room was set up um, in past years how you can change your room so it can work with groups and so it can work with stations and centers um, for, and this is from kindergarten all the way up through sixth grade. So um, if you're in any elementary grade or even if you're in middle school or high school, there are some nuggets that you could take. So join me there because there's some awesome things happening. And, um, you know, stay strong. You are doing amazing work and you are making an impact way further than you'll ever know. So what kind of impact are you making? And, you know, our pastor says, um, you're always leading. Like, what do you mean you're always leading? Well, you're either leading in the right way or you're leading in the wrong way. Which way are you leading your students? Think about that. And um, the next podcast, I hope we can dig into some real strategies and systems. And I'm excited for your feedback. Um, hop on over to my Facebook and Instagram and tell me if you're doing this and if it's working in your thoughts. I'd love to hear about it. All right, everybody, have a blessed day. Go love up on those students. Be curious, be compassionate. Thanks for listening. That wraps up today's episode. Remember, if you love today's show, I'd love for you to give a review, give it a like and share it with someone who needs it. If you want to learn more, you can follow me on Facebook teachers, inspiring teachers. And I will have more info coming soon with a amazing website and some courses that you can take. I can't wait to share it with you all. Thanks for joining me.